Alabama A&M spring game had an elevated sense of importance due to the absence of a quill glass. Tamika Reed is staying in Jackson State, and I think that's the right choice for both sides. And I have a crossover with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints to detail some HBCU prospects that fit the New Orleans Saints. Oh, yeah, it's Locked On HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked On HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day and i of course am darian gray aka the mouth of the south texas southern alum and former tsu herald sports editor thank you for going on this journey with me making locked on hbcu your first listen of the day every day and before we hop into the show and hop into our topics i want to show love and give a special shout out to the youtube crowd you are absolutely phenomenal you got the, the Mo Williams video that was posted less than a week ago to 3K already. It's the highest video on our YouTube page, and it's still climbing. I checked earlier today. It was at like 3K, and now it's at 3.2K. I want to show love and show appreciation to you because it really does mean a lot that you're checking these episodes out. You're leaving comments. You're liking I appreciate the subscriber count is going up, so I can only assume that you're telling a friend and telling a friend. I appreciate everything that you're doing. We are a family, so when I grow, you grow, we grow, right? So like, that's why I say we so much, because it's something I couldn't do without you. So I want to give a special shout out to that before we get into the rest of our show, because that was important to me. And speaking of importance, Alabama A&M spring game has an elevated sense of importance, mostly due to the absence of a quill glass. And it's not an absence in the sense of he'll be back next week. No, they are in the search of their new quarterback. And man, that makes everything else so much more important. Everything is heightened now. And most teams go in, they have their spring season. But for the first time in four years, the Alabama A&M Bulldogs have a weight that they have not had on their shoulders. And that is finding a new quarterback. Glass has been there for a while. Glass has been consistent. Glass has been phenomenal the last two years, especially winning the the Black National Player of the Year. This year, there is no Glass. He's not coming back. And it's going to be difficult. Um, This is is the major hole. And unless you go from like Montana to Young, it's going to be a process. I mean, you look at Aaron Rodgers when he took over for Brett Favre in his first year starting. He played the whole season, his first full season starting. The season wasn't that good for them. They had a losing record. Now, we all know what Aaron Rodgers is today. But that first year, that first transitional period, it wasn't good. It wasn't good, right? And let's just get that out of there. And a guy of Glass's stature... It's not easy to replace them, and it never will be easy to replace them. You might not replace them, and honestly, it might not be done immediately. Like, that's something that you really do need to think about. When you have a guy who has came in, it's not going to be like a Noah Johnson to Felix Harper situation where Noah Johnson got hurt, 
Felix Harper came in and was the swag player of the year. You have swag player of the year. He gets hurt. The guy comes in and he wins swag player of the year. That's that next year. It's not a situation like that. And even then, Noah Johnson didn't have the same tenure that Glass had. Trying to replace Glass with one of these guys is going to be a situation where you're going to come up short. And I'm trying to think about how to say it. Okay, here, here's a good metaphor for it. Is you've ever seen the kid who wears his parents' shoes, maybe around the house or whatever? The the gap in between where the shoe is supposed to, like how it's supposed to fit, where your toe is supposed to be, and where that kid's toe is, is big, right? There's a big gap. That kid cannot fit that parent's shoe. Now, here's the thing about the kid, is that the kid eventually grows. See, when I was five years old, I guarantee you, I can't fit my dad's shoes. No brainer, I'm five years old. Now at 22, I can fit his shoes. And what that, and what I'm trying to say with that metaphor right there, or that analogy right there, is that basically you have to give them time to grow. And that's going to be difficult for a lot of fans because we're sports fans. We're in the moment. We're focused on now. And why shouldn't we be? Every season's a new season. No matter what, every season's a new season. Optimism's at like a season high. I would imagine even teams who, who have a pretty good idea that they're going to be bad going into the season. I'm sure they feel at least a little bit more optimistic at the beginning. Even if you're like, man, I, I think we might be a 4-12 and 12 team in, in the NFL. Or if you're talking about in the swag play, like we might win a couple conference games. Now, as the season goes on and you start getting blown out, you, you might start thinking, you know, I don't know if this is if this is going to work. We might not win a single game, right? I've been there. I've lived through that one. I've lived through that one where I'm used to getting a couple of games and then, man, they, they lose all the games. And I'm like, man, and that was tough. That was tough. That was my senior year in college. Didn't win a single game. I was hurt, right? But optimism was high at the beginning of the year, you know, unless you're surprised. And, but for the most part, optimism is high. And every year you're going in with something new. So it's hard to tell you to sit there and be patient and understand that these guys have time that they can grow and that they can be better. We want that instant gratification. We want that. But at the same time, that's not realistic in this situation to think that somebody's going to come in and fill glasses shoes. It's not going to happen. Also, for some reason, I just said that I feel like I really missed an opportunity to get a glass pun when I'm saying Phil. I should have got it in there, but I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I can acknowledge that there was probably one to be said right there that I probably could have got in there. But here's the thing about replacing a guy like Glass. And Coach said it himself. It's going to take more than just a quarterback. And I think that's where things really get heightened is you lost your leading rusher. You lost four of your five leading receivers. Your offense is kind of decimated right now. And you're doing all of this, all of this is happening at the same time that you're trying to find who is going to be your next quarterback. It's not easy. This is this just made everything tougher. Everything needs to be right around the quarterback, but everything is gone around the quarterback. So not only is this question mark that is placed on a player who's going to touch the ball every single snap, you're also going to have a question mark about who is he going to throw to, who is he going to hand off to. The skill, position, the skill positions around whoever that quarterback is going to be, it's going to be hard. Jaron Williams, Quincy Casey, Xavier Lankford, they're all going to have a tall task in front of them. And listen, one of them is going to be the answer. 
One of them is going to be the answer to the question that looms over A&M, uh, Alabama A&M football until day one, until the first game that they play. Who is going to replace Aquil Glass? It's going to be one of those guys. Now, going forward, we are going to be talking about Jackson State women's basketball coach Tamika Reed. It looked as if she was going to be moving on from Jackson State to likely Ole Miss. That doesn't seem to be happening. It's very unlikely now at this point. But I think it's the right decision. Even if it was made for the parties, I think this was the right choice that these two entities stayed together. But first, I want to tell you about Stat Hero because we're at the final four. And everybody's bracket is nearly everybody's bracket is busted. Everybody I know, their bracket has been busted for a while. But that's okay because with Stat Hero, they give you single game pickums. So you don't have to be right through the whole tournament. That's a lot of pressure. And honestly, I don't know many that are doing it. Stat Hero gives you the ability to have every single game is new. It's a blend of fantasy and betting in where you can pick a lineup. Any lineup, they have a list of lineups out there, and you create your own you pick your own five guys so no more betting on players that you don't really know you're betting on the players that you know that's your best bet to make money and it's one of the reasons that stat hero users are four times more likely to win so where you want to go to get all of these benefits stathero.com slash locked on is the place to go and locked on is the promo code to use to get a hundred percent deposit match i'll say one more time for you stathero.com slash locked on go there and use the promo code locked on for an 100 deposit match all right so keep on rolling on today's episode of locked on hbcu thank you for making us your first listen of the day every day in today's word of the day is decimate meaning to reduce drastically especially in number to cause great destruction or harm to and i want to talk about jackson state because tamika reed ain't going nowhere and I think that it was the right choice for both parties involved, both Jackson State and Tamika Reed. I think this was the path that was meant to be going. Now, listen, or meant to be walked, excuse me. Now, listen, there was some talk about Coach Reed potentially moving on from Jackson State and going up to Ole Miss. Let's first set the stage for that, because I am glad that she's not leaving. But let's set the stage, because it was kind of an SEC coaching carousel. It was the, the SEC coaches were just swapping, just taking coaches from each other. So it all started off with Texas A&M's coach retiring. From there, they took Georgia's coach. Now, Georgia was about to take Ole Miss's coach. And if that was going to be the case, signs were pointing that Tamika Reed was going to take a trip elsewhere in the state, and she was going to become the Ole Miss head coach. Been great for her. I think she would have been great at it. Right, I would have been paying special attention to Ole Miss if she had been the if she had became the coach because she is more than deserving. I said it before. I think that she should have been a coach at the All Star Game, the HBCU All Star Game that's happening this Sunday. Yes, this Sunday, April third. I think that. So I think she would have been phenomenal in that role. But Ole Miss's coach decided to come back, said there was no truth that she was close to going to Georgia, and now she's going to be an Ole Miss. So with that happening, that job that Reed was going to take is no longer on the table, and now she is still in Jackson State. I don't want to say she's stuck. She isn't. I think this is really great, and I think this was meant to be for both parties. And earlier today, I was talking to my brother, and I was telling him about just the timing of a situation that I was going through and how I'm well, well more or way more prepared now than I was at that time that something could have happened. 
And honestly, I thought it was kind of a blessing in disguise. That easily could be to make a read. So I want to say that because this doesn't mean she's going anywhere or that this talk is going anywhere. It just means for right now, this year is on pause. For Jackson State, it's clear why this is a win for them. And this is clear why it's the right choice for them. She's a fantastic coach. You get at least one more year with a coach of her caliber. Who is going to be complaining about that on their side of things? Not a soul. But then also you're losing the this year's Swag Player of the Year and last year's Swag Player of the Year. So Amisha Williams Holiday and then also Daisha Robinson or Daisha Rogan, excuse me, are both seniors. So they're going to be on their way out of the program. This could decimate you. I think that Maya Crump has proven in her last two games if she can continue that stretch, that she can take up some of the weight. And I'll be interested to see what she does in likely a bigger role. Jackson State just got a big time center that was just transferred in. This school is making a lot of headway. But we see why it's easy or why it's good for them. It's clear. You get to be coached by this fantastic coach that was pursued by an SEC program. It's no brainer. Let's not even harp on that. Let's talk about Tamika Reed. Why is this right for her? Because I know a lot of people might be questioning. Well, she could have went to Ole Miss. She probably could have got better recruits, could have done this, that, and the third. Why was this the right choice for her? I think it's the right choice because I feel like she is not done. I feel like there's more to her story. There's more that she should and needs to accomplish at Jackson State. Now, I want to leave a quote, I mean, a quote that she gave after the LSU lost that I just thought was, you know, pretty good and showed why I feel like she needed to be around. We have to continue to fight for our institution, for our conference. We have to continue to fight for our culture, continue to knock on the walls that get our, excuse me, continue to knock on walls to get our respect. Now it's time to come back and knock the walls down. That is a coach that I want to continue to coach for my school. If, I, if that was my Texas Southern coach, I 100% want you to be my coach right now. Don't go anywhere. And when we sit here, and by we, I mean me, other people you might see on Twitter, on social media, whatever, and we beat this drum for the HBCU culture, the HBCU brand, and things of that nature, it's not just exclusive to us. It's not just exclusive to you. It's not exclusive to the students, the alumni, the, the fans. It's not just exclusive to them. These coaches take pride in that as well. And that's what you just saw with Coach Reed. She has pride in Jackson State, has pride in the SWAC, has pride in the HBCUs. And this it's just something that it registers or resonates with her that, hey, I need to make sure that I'm getting respect. We need to make sure that we're getting respect. Her job isn't done yet. I want to see this happen. I think it can happen. And by getting their respect, that means coming in and winning a game in the NCAA tournament. I'll tell you the truth. When a lot of these schools go out there, yeah, we're talking about them. But I didn't really think that Texas Southern had a chance this year. I didn't. I didn't really think Norfolk had a chance this year. I didn't think Howard had a chance this year. It's, I don't think it's ever been done, a 16 knocking off a one. It just, it's super hard. And I didn't sit there thinking, oh, yeah, I, I, I really think this one's going to happen. But when Jackson State lined up against LSU before the ball was even tipped off, I didn't need to see that third quarter. I really believed that they could get it done. I believe that. And that that game that they almost got, they, that, excuse me, that they almost pulled out, that's going to stick with Coach Reed. That's going to stick with the, co the coaches, the assistant coaches. That's going to stick with the players. I want them to go out there and get it done next year. I'm only looking a year ahead because I'm not sure that she'll continue to be here. Look, these people are going to continue to knock him. She's a phenomenal coach. She is. It's just what she is. I'm looking every year. Let's go.
I wouldn't be shocked if they do get that 13 seed, get a couple of non-conference wins, maybe over a power five school. They just saw that they, they could go toe to toe with an LSU. I see it. Her job isn't done. I think she could win a national, excuse me, win an NCAA tournament game. Cements legacy, if that's what happens. Now, going forward, I have a conversation with my guy, Ross Jackson, out of Locked On Saints. And listen, we're talking about HBCU prospects that fit the New Orleans Saints. I get to combine my two passions right now and talk about Saints and talk about HBCUs all together. This is a match made in heaven for me. But first, let me tell you about another match made in heaven. That's you and BetOnline.net. Because BetOnline.net is the best place. Right now, Duke has the best odds as far as the NCAA tournament goes. And North Carolina is bringing up the rear at four. In the middle, you have Kansas and Villanova. So it's just ironic because you have the best odds versus the worst odds in the final four. This is super exciting. The first time that Duke and North Carolina have ever played each other in the tournament make sure you're checking out locked on acc with my uh with my dog candace cooper she is going to be on there breaking down everything i can't wait we have to make sure we're looking at what she's talking about this week because it is a massive game and one that comes off the the heels of coach k's retirement party in the regular season being spoiled there's so much here make sure that you're putting your money down on some of the best storylines duke versus north carolina Kansas versus Villanova. There's so much places or so many games to wager on and make sure you're wagering on betonline.net because it is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, so wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I have my guy Ross Jackson. This is a Locked on Saints, Locked on HBCU collaboration discussing some HBCU prospects on the offensive side of the ball that could help the New Orleans Saints. Darian, dude, I'm glad that we finally get the opportunity to do this together. Talk through some HBCU prospects, man. How are you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm glad to come on. I've been waiting to come on since... We were supposed to do this, what, two months ago? We were supposed to do it while we were at the HBCU Combine. Like, we're while we were literally in the same house, and we didn't get the opportunity to do it. So I'm glad I blame we Sean. It's it all Sean's fault. If he would have <laughs> just been here, we would have been done this. But we would have gotten right the to The timing is perfect. That's absolutely right. So now we're looking ahead to the NFL draft. Uh, we're looking at these you know, NFL, play, NFL teams that could be looking to invest in HBCU prospects, HBCU prospects that could help NFL teams. And so here with the New Orleans Saints – whole lot of conversation around potentially drafting quarterbacks. I know a lot of people like the idea of like a Kenny Pickett or a, uh, you know, Malik Willis, should he be available at 18 under some like crazy circumstances and things like that. But there's an HBCU quarterback that a team like the Saints could potentially invest in in later rounds and just kind of see what they have in them, right? Yeah, it's a Quill Glass out of Alabama A&M. And I think he's a really good pick for the Saints in a couple of fronts. But let's first detail what he's accomplished because there isn't maybe but five hbcu football conversations that you'll have where quill glass does not come up and it's not simply because he's a quarterback it's because he's one of the most decorated quarterbacks in fcs history so i'm not just talking about swack meag cia uh siac i'm not just talking about those conferences he is one of the most decorated quarterbacks the most important position on the field He's one of the most decorated guys in FCS history. So he definitely has that in his belt. And it's something that I feel like should be 
we promote it every chance it came that I get to talk about Glass, I'm going to mention how decorated his resume is because right. at the end of the day, your resume is what really helps your draft stock along with some of your attributes and your traits and things of that nature. But what you've accomplished on the field is what makes you a valued player. Now, how yeah. does that fit into the New Orleans Saints? Because Jameis Winston just came in, right? Mm -hmm. But we've seen the contract. And personally, I'll, say, I'll tell you this. I'm an advocate for Jameis. I believe that Jameis can be the future quarterback of the Saints. However, that contract that they gave him says that they're not sure. It doesn't mean that he won't be. It means that they are not sure. Mm -hmm. And I mean, who can blame them? When you look at right. his sample size from last year, it was seven games, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. So it wasn't a, a large sample size. It's something you would want to see more of. And that's one of the reasons that I believe you need to spend the first half of the draft investing in Jameis Winston. Michael Thomas is going to be back. We hope Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas, but he might not be. You need to invest in a wide receiver, possibly invest in, in an offensive lineman. We'll get into that in a little bit. You need to invest in some weapons, possibly a running back. There are five major holes or positions of interest. I'll call them positions of interest mm -hmm. for the New Orleans Saints. And I think four of them, I have four of them. Only one is, I mean, excuse me, four of them are on the offensive side of the ball. So I think that offense is going to be major. So with that being said, if you're going to invest in a quarterback, which you should continue to do as long as you don't have your franchise guy, Aquil Glass is a great guy to be. Mm -hmm. Because is he going to replace Jameis year one? Probably not. But you're not looking at him to be that. But as long right. as Jameis is not concretely the guy, investing in somebody means something. You've seen that when they drafted Ian Book in the middle rounds last year. Mm -hmm. You invest in a quarterback position, oh. you have a quarterback. Now, beyond Jameis, which brings me to my second front, Taysom's no longer in there. Mm -hmm. You know, they said that the Taysom Hill experiment is over. Seems yep. like that no was a longer Sean part Payton. of the conversation. Yep. Yep. For see, sure. it looks like it was a Sean Payton thing. Now you have Blake Bortles and Ian Book. And while I'm not ready to close the book on Ian quite yet, just because of his Miami game, I mm -hmm. will say this. He didn't make you feel overly confident that this guy has to be your backup. Mm -hmm. And all that means is that bringing another guy into the competition is warranted. Right. And if Book is better than him, if Bortles is better than him, they'll both beat him out. If Glass right. is better than them, he'll beat them out. Right. But drafting a Quill Glass allows you to have a guy with some upside, a guy who might need a little bit of a year anyway, mm -hmm. to be able to sit back, sit behind Jameis, and compete for that backup quarterback position. Yeah. That's all it and, is. gives you a guy with the upside. Yeah, and there's a, there's a reality in which you draft a guy like a Quill Glass, and you maybe instead of getting, you know, maybe you don't get your future franchise quarterback, but you get a five to 10 year backup quarterback that you know that knows the system that loves the system that is you know a part of what the other quarterbacks are working on like he still becomes a potential glue guy within that quarterback room or whoever the future quarterbacks are uh, of course darian you cover the new orleans saints you have the mouth of the south uh, podcast you've got all these other things as well in addition to your hbcu coverage so you understand what it is that new orleans saints always value they value the guy that's on the field and they value the guy that's on the sideline with the clipboard yes. that's there to talk to you about what went right or what went wrong while they're on the field right yeah always have and i think that glass has a perfect shot to at worst be that guy mm -hmm. I, I like i think that i was oh i think it was two years ago this mm -hmm. was about two years ago and i was reading this article on the undefeated now and scape and they were talking about the black quarterback and they were talking about how geno smith is so important to the black quarterback because 
it's finally a black quarterback who is a career backup. And that sounds right. kind of backwards, but for so long, it was either you had to be the star or you were gone. Or you were nothing. Either you right. were Michael Vick or you were done. Right. And there was no room to be in that middle where you could be a career backup and continuously get a check. I've seen Josh McCown be a career backup all the way into almost being a head coach. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so being a career backup is very valuable. And I think that glass, that would be very important to have that same development as black quarterbacks into the HBCU quarterback as well. That's a phenomenal perspective. Let's turn the page on quarterback. We're talking about, you know, how, how these guys can potentially fit in with the New Orleans Saints, a spot where the Saints could probably use a ton of help or the guys in front of the quarterback. What about that offensive line? Anybody stand out for you there? Yeah, there's one guy out of Southern University, Jatire Carter, and I think he has exactly what the Saints value, athleticism and versatility. We know that those are two things that Saints really like in their offensive linemen. And there's two positions of interest I call them positions of interest for a reason, not quite holes, because I think there's a slight difference. One's right guard where Cesar Ruiz is at. And I know right. the Saints fan, listen, I understand there's been a lot of frustration <laughs> with Ruiz. Me too, okay? <laughs> but I think that this is probably one of the last years that he's going to be guaranteed a spot, and he might not even be guaranteed a spot right there because I thought John Sigler of uh, Saints Wire had a phenomenal point in talking about well, everybody says have James Hurst and Ramchek kind of holding over at the tackle positions, but why not draft a tackle, get a tackle, and have James Hurst push Ruiz? Mm -hmm. Now, I use that same logic, but I apply it to Carter, who has who has sure. um, experience as a left tackle. He had the best pass grade in the FCS, pass block grade. But then also at the senior bowl, he showed the ability to flip sides. So mm -hmm. either you can have him learning to maybe be the right tackle behind Hurst if that's the case but then you could also have him be a guy who pushes Ruiz at guard mm, on the interior side, yeah yeah athletic profile is actually maximized as a guard because he's way more athletic and as Logan Hall <laughs> from Houston about who he who he is because at the senior bowl they had a bunch of one-on-one -on -one reps and Carter oh was yeah so yeah. that was a very good battle at the senior bowl and he did it all at guard a lot of people project him to be a guard but he has the versatility where even if he's your backup, he's your swing lineman, right? Kelamente, Hurst, mm -hmm. Carter. He has the ability to fill in and fill a spot, at, whether that's guard or a tackle. So that's why I think Carter, Jatire Carter, that's J-A apostrophe T-Y-R-E, Carter out of Southern uh, University. I think he'll be a really good fit schematically for the Saints. It's a really interesting way to go. And I think, you know, you can have this situation out where you go from one very successful um, HBCU offensive lineman to maybe carving the way for another successful HBCU offensive lineman. Of course, Teron Armstead, who just got a huge contract with the Miami Dolphins, a former uh, HBCU uh, yes. football player himself from the uh, University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. I know you did a feature on him over a lot in HBCU. Not too long ago. Uh, you mentioned that there were four players that you liked over on the Saints offensive uh, side, just with a little bit of time that we have left. The other couple of offensive players that you're keeping an eye out on for the New Orleans Saints when it comes to these HBCU prospects. Yeah, I'll, I'll make that pretty quick. So you have at the wide receiver position, which we all know the Saints need to attack. I have a couple of mm -hmm. guys with some different skill sets. Shamar Bridges out of Fort Valley uh, State. He's a D2 guy who I think is a big receiver who can really stretch the field, along with Joshua Wilkes, who has been labeled by the UAPB announced team as the greatest deep threat in that school's history. Mm. So that tells you there's two guys mm -hmm. who can stretch the field. But if you just want some big bodies, maybe some intermediate guys, then you have Keith Corbin out of Jackson State, who has also done it at Houston. Right. 
And you also have Marquise McClain. And the beautiful part about all of this is the Saints were able to see these guys at the HBCU Legacy Bowl. And the very last person I'm going to bring up is Jamey Martin. Yeah, because, so I was hoping he was going to come up. <laughs> yeah, the Saints, in my opinion, have one guy who you know isn't getting caught, and that's Deontay Hardy. Mm -hmm. No disrespect to anybody else. They could get caught. I've been wanting for years for somebody who, who was there in the open field. I don't feel like they're getting caught. That's Jamey Martin. He's a guy who's a one-cut runner who has speed for days and somebody who I think could really help regardless of the Alvin Kamara situation. You're going to need another running back in here. I think Martin would be really good. I think he might be a late round draft pick. I think he might even sneak mm -hmm. into the draft as well. That's great. I love that. Hey, look, um, Darian Gray, Ross Jackson. You can find uh, Darian on Twitter at South Exclusive. Of course, over with lot to HBCU. Why don't we talk about some uh, defensive players the next time I see you, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. I got a guy. Now, you just heard some breakdowns about how Aquil Glass could fit into the New Orleans Saints quarterback equation, how Jatiah Carter's athleticism and versatility will make him a, a chess piece that the Saints seem to value on their offensive line. So special shout out. Come on, Darian. Now, you just heard how Aquil Glass could fit into the New Orleans Saints quarterback equation and how Jatiah Carter's versatility and athleticism makes him a chess piece that the New Orleans Saints seem to value on the offensive line. I was able to combine two of my passions, Saints and HBCUs, for a great, great segment with Ross Jackson. I'm so happy I was able to be on Locked on Saints as well. It was a dream of mine. So make sure you're checking out his show. And we are going to have a collaboration later on in the week where we talk about defensive prospects, mainly Marquise Bell. So make sure you're making Locked on HBCU your first listen of the day every day so you do not miss it. Tomorrow's episode, we're going to be talking about why Grambling State's spring game is really exciting. And for your second listen of the day, make sure that you're checking out Locked on NFL Draft. Eric Crocker, Ryan Tracy, breaking everything down, getting you ready for the NFL Draft because it's major, y'all. It's not something that you want to miss. And in the meantime, in between time, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.